So uh, I don't know how many of you are like dessert people. You're like, I'm, I'm definitely like a dessert, like a sweets person. I'm not so much. Yeah, some of you are like, amen. Uh, I'm not so much. Um, I, I, I don't dislike desserts, don't get me wrong, but I, I would almost rather have like fruit personally. Like I'd rather have, like I eat an apple every day, uh, pretty much every day, but it's gotta be a Fuji apple. I'm kind of a snob. It's gotta be, it's, it's gotta have, it's gotta be like, have the right like feel to it. It's gotta have the right look to it. It can't be like mealy. Like there's nothing worse than you're like, you know what I mean? Like with an apple and you're like, this just kind of, it's like sand. You know, like that's not good. So it's got to be like the right kind. But at the same time, um, I like trying different kinds of foods as well. Um, and I remember about a month or so ago, uh, any, anybody ever have a uh, persimmon? I think that's, did I say it right? Per, persimmon, yeah. I'm trying. I wrote it down. We went over to the Elias house. Uh, Ziad, who is, you know, up here a few times. He's the chair of our uh, spiritual leadership team. Um, and he's from Lebanon. So there's always some different kinds of foods and stuff over there, which is awesome. And so I love to try the different sorts of things. And this was a persim persimmon. I'm sorry. Is It's like a mix between an apple and a tomato is the best way I can explain it. I know that sounds weird. Texturally, that's how it is. It was, it was pretty good. It was good. It was different. And I'd never really seen it before. You can Google it, or good luck spelling it. But <laughs> let me ask, has anybody ever tried a manchineel? Anybody ever tried a manchineel? I'm going to go with no, and the reason I'm going to go with no is because you're actually sitting here. Take a look at this. If you're ever vacationing in the flamingo section of Everglades National Park in Florida, beware of the apple. In fact, if you're pretty much anywhere from northern South America to Florida, including the Caribbean and Galapagos Islands, and you see a tall tree growing near water with yellowish, greenish, crab-apple-looking fruit, it's probably best to keep your distance. The fruit might be delicious, but it could also be deadly, because that tree might be a manchineel, which, according to the folks at Guinness World Records, is the world's most dangerous tree. Every part of the manchineel is toxic. The sap in its wood and leaves can cause blindness and blistering. Its fruit can cause boils in the mouth and throat, as well as severe intestinal damage that can kill you. It's no wonder Spaniards gave it the nickname La Manzanilla de la Muerte or Little Apple of Death. The tree contains a number of toxins, but the worst is probably four bowls. Or should I say four bowls? Four bowl refers to a family of related organic molecules that have two terpene chemical groups, and they're similar to compounds you have in your body, which is a bit of a problem. See, four bowls mimic the action of diacylglycerol, a fatty molecule your body uses in a number of ways, including to activate an enzyme called protein kinase C, or PKC for short. PKC is a pretty big deal because it regulates things like cell growth and metabolic activity. So when four bowls overactivate PKC, cells will increase their expression of genes involved in inflammation and cell death. This leads to a range of nasty effects like blistering and ulcering. Manchineels have four bowls everywhere, which is why you shouldn't touch any part of them. Oh, and here's a not so fun fact, Four bowls are very soluble in water, so it's not a good idea to stand under a manchineel when it's raining either, which, you know, it does in places like the Everglades. 
a lot. What's not entirely clear is why this tree went so overkill on the toxicity. It may be that since the manchineal typically grows in areas where there are lots of other toxic plants, it has such overdeveloped defense mechanisms to stay competitive. And it can get away with having toxic fruit because it doesn't need animals to spread its seeds. It lives by the ocean, so its fruit can bob along on the waves to move to new lands. Though it may get more love from critters than you'd think. Some reptiles seem to eat the fruit with no ill effects, and black spiny-tailed iguanas will even live in the trees. How remains a mystery. And even our species doesn't always keep away. Because the trees live in places like Florida, where there are lots of strong winds, and you know hurricanes every so often, their wood is really hard. So cabinet makers love it, though they have to carefully cut and dry the planks for several days to let the four-bowl-laced sap evaporate out. And the trees aren't just hard. Their deep roots and thick branches help protect coastlines from damaging winds and waves. That means, while they might be toxic to touch, they help protect us and coastal ecosystems during storms. So if you do see a manchineal while you're strolling along the beach, you can smile and appreciate all it's doing for the plants, animals, and people who live nearby, and then give it a wide berth. <laughs> So the world's most dangerous tree with the, one of the world's most dangerous fruits on it uh, looks delicious, but is definitely poisonous, every bit of it. And it's such a good illustration for our words and how our words, the fruit, what is produced, can turn out to be negative for the people around us. Our words matter. Our words matter a lot, whether spoken, texted, posted, Words play a crucial role in our lives. They play a crucial role in our witness or our testimony to others. How we say things can be just as important as what we say in many ways. We live in a world where words matter. Probably you could make an argument more than maybe they ever have as we're living through what you could arguably say is the biggest communication shift since the invention of the printing press. In 500 years, we haven't seen communication change the way that it is in this time in which we're living through right now. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the power of our words. We're going to look at the power of our words and Scripture's teaching on the source of our words, the consequences of our words, and the way we can use our words for good and for God's glory. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 12, or you can follow along on, uh, on the app. Uh, you can just uh, go to, uh, to the Bible app, the free Bible app. You can search for uh, Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along there. And I thought it made perfect sense to start with the words of Jesus here in Matthew 12 because he's the only person to get all of his words right all the time and never mess it up because he lived a perfect life. He, he got it right every single time. And so to start with his words make a lot of sense. So let's look at what Jesus is saying here. Beginning in verse 33, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So he gets right to it real quick here. And he's speaking to the Pharisees at the time, who were really the, this particular group of, of Pharisees. They were just the spiritually self-righteous people and they were basically, if you read the verses before, they were accusing Jesus of sorcery, um, and they were just evil. This group was just evil. The things that they said, just poisonous words all the time. And so Jesus called them out on it. He called them out on their words. 
But quite frankly, these principles that we see here and for the next few verses are things that apply to all of us. These are things that apply to all of us. And he draws the, the analogy of fruit that we've kind of started with here, even in looking at the manchineel tree. And then he gets right to the point when he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's kind of hard to hear because our words reveal our heart. Our words reveal our heart. Like it or not, what comes out of our mouth, the sum total of the words that leave our lips are a reflection of what is in our heart and even what is not in our heart. Have you ever had your phone autocorrect something when you're trying to, trying to text somebody? Yeah, me neither. Never, never happens. It always types exactly what I want. Um, and it even guesses exactly what I want to say, right, all the time. No, in fact, um, if you get a text from me that says, I'll be there in 2.0 minutes, I meant 20 minutes. My phone right now, I don't, if anybody knows this, sidebar, personal minute, if you know how to fix this for me, every time I type 20, it puts 2.0. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was typing something about an update to an operating system or something. I don't know. Anyways, I'm not going to be there in 2.0 minutes. I'm probably going to be there in 20 minutes. Just so you know, autocorrects are so funny though because we've all had things happen where we type something and it doesn't say exactly what we want. Here's a couple examples I found. Your mom and I are going to divorce next month. What, why? Call me, please. I wrote Disney and this phone changed it. We are going to Disney. One word made all the difference, right? Actually, just, just some letters. But for whatever reason, it changed it to that. Let's look at the next one. How long till you get here? God says 20 minutes. I trust him, but just in case, though, what does GPS say? I hate you. Yeah. My phone would say God says 2.0 minutes. <laughs> and these are funny, and if you Google some autocorrects, I'm not responsible for some of the inappropriate ones you're going to find because there's a bunch that are funny. But, and, but we've all had it happen, and I'm sure you could think of a story maybe in yourself where you're like, I really did not mean to type that word. I am sorry, you know? But here's the thing. Think about the analogy when it comes to ourself and with the things that we say because, quite frankly, you can't blame your heart on autocorrect. You can't blame your heart on autocorrect. These are funny and completely unintentional, I hope. But how often do we just wish that maybe what we said was autocorrect, but it was actually exactly what we meant? And we've heard it said, and maybe we've said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, right? You've, you've heard that one. And I agree, and that's great. And it's a good place to start, but you know what? That doesn't actually get to the, to the problem. That doesn't fix the problem. It just addresses the symptom because the heart is the problem. It's a heart issue. It's not a self-control issue. And that may sound weird, but let me define it this way when I say this, that it's a heart issue, not a self-control issue because if we ask Jesus to fix our heart first, then self-control becomes much easier, doesn't it? That's why self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control are the fruits of the Spirit. It's what is produced when we grow in the Spirit, not the other way around. Too many times we try to address it the other way around. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't even try. 
That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is if, if we draw close to the Lord and we, and we get our heart fixed, some of those self-control issues that we have with our mouth and with other things begin to fix themselves because we're addressing the root problem, not the symptom. Look at what Jesus says next as we keep going through Matthew 12. Verse 35, he says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Right? That's a tough sentence to read. That's a tough thing to hear. See, people in Jesus' day, they were characterized and categorized by their actions and by their speech as either fools or, or wise or sinners or etc. Real quick judgments were made about them because of those things. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Though believing something and being something are different. They're not always the same thing. You can believe something that doesn't mean you're actually being. There's a lot of people who claim to be Christians today that can testify to that particular thing. If good is stored up, good is what comes out. And the inverse is true. It was Jesus' idea for the garbage in, garbage out. He came up with that one. He just said it differently. A good person does not do good sporadically or haphazardly. They do it habitually. And same with the evil person. Our habits come out. Eventually, they will come out. Our deeds, they are a reflection of who we are and what we are. And they show what we really value deep down. And we have to be intentional and we have to care about what we store up so that what comes out is good and is of the Lord. Scriptures say that God is going to judge every word, even the empty words, the careless words, the idle words, as it says in another translation. The things that may seem trivial or just casual, the literal marks that we make that we don't even think anything about, that end up really being a reflection of our true attitude and of someone's heart, and maybe we should have chosen our words a little more careful. Listen, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. An idle word, when you think about an idle word, it's a word that does nothing. An idle word, this is a great definition for it, a word that does nothing. How many times do we say words that do nothing? No grace, no kindness, no mercy, no forgiveness, no instruction, no nothing, no encouragement, have no value, bring nothing of value to the conversation. They don't lift anybody up. Maybe the other way, words that should have never been said or should have been said, words that decrease the value of the conversation or decrease the value of the person that we're talking to. That never helps push anybody toward Jesus, and we're all guilty of it. I've been there, done that. We're all really guilty at ripping people down, aren't we? We're really good at it. It's, it's so much easier to tear somebody down than it is to lift somebody up. We all struggle with this. Humans struggle with this. 
I've, as I said, I've been there, done that as a friend, as a parent, as a pastor. We, we struggle here. It's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. I'm sure we've heard that before, but like there's a reason for that. The damage we would cause with two mouths and one ear, and we'd look weird. <laughs> You're like, Aren't, okay, Jay, maybe, maybe we're making a little bit too much of this. I think maybe this is a little, it's a little much. We're really going to focus on this for, for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, we are. You know, Jay, my words aren't that big of a deal. Yes, yes, they are, and Jesus knew that too. Jesus knew that that would be our perspective because look at the next verse because he keeps upping the ante as you read this. Look at verse 37 here in Matthew 12, 37. He says, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. See, your words can free you. They can punish you. There are stories and situations and circumstances that I know you know of, that I know of, that we've heard for people who have taken their life or even be, been brought to the edge of taking their life because of words that were said or posted. It started there. It started with words. Something that maybe we don't, you know, we're thinking, eh, it's not that really big of a deal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Relationships, friendships, ruined forever and it began with words I'm sure we can all think of a circumstance there a text or a post that just destroyed somebody's reputation you can't unsay things right just like you can't unhear something you can't unsay something you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and listen Satan knows the power of words too Satan knows how incredibly powerful they are, which is why he uses them in such manipulative ways. Let's go back to the garden for a quick second. How did he manipulate Eve? Adam and Eve, where, where did it start? Words. He just creeped up and said a few things, planted those seeds of doubt, and it started with words. So don't tell me that our words don't matter. The fall of humanity began with words. Paul knew the importance of this as well. Paul knew, based on the teachings of Jesus, how important our words really are because our words will either condemn us, as the scriptures say there, or justify us, show us to be right, and they can also free us. They can also free us. Romans 10 is part of the, the Romans road, which if you come to the gospel conversations thing, this is a part of, of learning how to share your faith with people. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Look at the importance of words just in these two verses. The importance of words here. Let's, let's not minimize the importance of words. I think, I think about the book of Revelation when Jesus comes back. You know how Jesus is gonna fight when he comes back? How he's gonna take out Satan and, and, and all of his followers with his words. He's not going to lift a finger. He's going to speak. Game over. And we get a front row seat to it and it's going to be awesome. We get to be a part of that. And praise God, I cannot, cannot wait for that moment. But so don't tell me the power of our words isn't a thing. The power of, of Jesus' words 
Good grief, tell me something more powerful. He spoke the world into existence, right? Spoke. Imagine if he did lift a finger. This talks about belief and confession. Belief and confession, it's so ridiculously simple. And we put so much more on top of it because we're grown and we know, right? We, we, we try to put so much into it. And for so many people, that's why this becomes so tough. That's why it becomes so tough because we, we think we can gain the righteousness of God by our works, but we can't. And we continually try to do it, but we can't. We can't. We gain it by confessing. We gain it by believing in our heart, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and not in ourselves, in him. And we confess or we agree with what God said about Jesus and who he is and what Jesus said about himself. Listen, let's not, let's not forget what it truly means to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's not forget the power of those words. We, you know, we kind of read it and say it and sing it or whatever. Can we just take a step back for a second and realize the power of what that really means in our life? That Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and your life. And that is huge. That is amazing. That is an incredible thing. And there is power in those words that we don't tap into nearly enough. Jesus Christ and Lord is Lord. And that means he is in the supreme place in your life. And everything that we do and everything that we say should reflect that. And that's where it becomes so tough because we get in our own way. And it even starts with our words. And so it's so appropriate that baptism is today as well. It's so appropriate for it because it wraps all of this together in such an amazing way. All of this together with that. Because what's happening over there in the baptismal pool here in just a few minutes. It's, it's the physical representation of the, of the words that have been said and the decision that's made in their heart. This doesn't make you more saved. It doesn't make you less saved. It doesn't make you more forgiven or less forgiven. It's an obedience issue, which really comes down to a heart issue if you think about it. It's following him in obedience. There's nothing magic in the water. It's an amazing thing that wraps all of this together. And so the connection point for the day is that what you say reflects who you are. And this is something that I hope, and I mean this in a loving way, I hope that this statement sticks in your head for the entire week, if not moving forward more. What you say reflects who you are. Words matter. Our words matter. The words that people speak, they are a direct reflection of the content of their character. They're a direct reflection of it. Do your words, let me ask you this, do your words reflect a follower of Jesus or would people be surprised to find out that you're a Christian? This is a tough question to really ask. Do your words reflect that you're a follower of Jesus or would people be surprised based on your words that, that you're a believer. I, re, I remember a, a point in my life when I was in college, and even coming out of high school, boy, did I have a filthy mouth. I really did. And it was something I had to get, get under control because I started realizing that people weren't, weren't going to listen to what I had to say about Jesus if, if, if three minutes before that I was dropping F-bombs 
Are they really going to take me seriously? I had to clean up my mouth because it was a reflection of what was in my heart. I'm embarrassed to think back about it now. People that I went to in high school or that I went to high school with are probably surprised to see me online as a pastor in some ways. And and that goes back to my words. It starts there. It's a reflection of what's in our heart. Words have pushed people away from Jesus. But words have also drawn people in in an amazing way. And I don't ever, ever want my words, I don't ever want my words to have been something that pushed people away from Jesus. But let's be honest, I'm human, and they probably have at one point or another. Because we don't get this right all the time. Listen, if you're watching online, you're here, if you've been pushed away, please know that those were the words of people not Jesus. Those were the words of people, not Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus is the good shepherd that protects and provides and he draws you in. He says what needs to be said and he does it in love and he speaks the truth in love. Maybe you need to stop listening to words that don't matter and hear the words of Jesus that simply say, I love you. And if you've let other voices in your life manipulate you and make you think that you don't matter to God, trust me when I tell you that you do. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never if you've never put your faith in him, if you've never trusted him for salvation and given your life to him, maybe it's because of words of other people. Listen to the words of Jesus who says, I love you no matter what. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you today. If that's, if that's you, if you want to know more about that, if you're not 100% sure you're going to be with Jesus in heaven, let's get that right today. Father, I thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your words. Thank you for your words that always cut right to the bone, cut to the marrow, as the scriptures say. Lord, that, that you get right to the point because you love us, that you're not afraid to, to say the things that we need to hear. Lord, we're, we're afraid all the time. God, your words are our truth and our love. Lord, I know that there are some people that are watching or that are here who have been hurt by people and by the words of people, whether it's in the church or not in the church, and maybe that's kept them from coming to the foot of the cross. Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way and you'd remind them that that was people, that was not Jesus. Lord, that you love them and that we need to all drown out the words that are not of you. Help us also as we have opportunities to be Jesus to others through our words. God, the words that we say matter so much and we can do so much damage as well. So Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and change us through this idea, not just today, but through, through the rest of the month and in the coming weeks, months, and years. Lord, hopefully this can be a, a line that we're drawing about getting our words right with you so that we can have an impact with others for the kingdom of God. 
Jesus, I thank you so much for those that are getting baptized here in a minute. I pray that we can just celebrate and, and I'm thankful for the decision that they've made to follow you and, uh, and to be obedient to you in, in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would bless. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.